you would, <clears throat> turn to Mark chapter 1. While you're turning there, let me read to you Romans 6, 4. For we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may walk in the newness of life. Mark 1 Verse 9 says, One day Jesus came from Nazareth into Galilee, and he was baptized by John in the Jordan River. When Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens split open, and the Holy Spirit descending like a dove fell on Jesus. And a voice came from heaven saying, You are my beloved Son, and I am fully pleased with you. In verse 12 is an interesting verse because it talks about the battle after baptism. Immediately, the Holy Spirit compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness. And he was there for 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was out among the wild animals. And the angels took care of him. Now, in my Bible, I just turn one page over and read the Great Commission. The 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some still doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given complete authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching these new disciples to obey all the commandments I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. When I stood here Monday in a three-piece suit, I spoke to a lot of friends, a lot of friends to my family, and it was just a sweet time to know that Miss Mabel had gone on to be with Jesus and her loved ones. But when I spoke here Friday, I looked a little bit like this with a jacket on, but my heart was saddened. My heart was and spirit was grieved. There were more people Friday in this church than there are this morning. As a matter of fact, over 500 came, and many of them were students from Alcobe High School. I looked at, in the faces of all the kids, and I first realized, you done got old. You see, when I preach and look at you, I don't look and feel that old. But when there's almost 500 students in here from a high school, man, I felt, I felt old. Old as dirt. I thank God that there was a young man, a minister, a uh, youth minister in Conyers named Justin to help me. When he spoke, he, he knew 
Dustin. And Dustin hadn't been there in a while, but he, he knew of him, and, and he'd been to his youth group. Dustin was here as a middle schooler, and then when he got to the close to teenage age, he hit the trail. The dad got up and told the truth. He didn't cut any beans about it. But one thing he did say, and I think what he was trying to say was this. Don't put your parents through what we're having to go through. If you're out there and you've gotten way out of control with any kind of substance, call me. Now, he was just speaking from a father that was in a lot of pain. We all have been 16, 17, and 18. Some of us started younger than that. But, you know, I looked at that, and I'm going, dear God. And I asked Justin the question while some of the songs were going. I said, Justin, how many do you think here don't go to church? He said at least 80% of the people that were here. And I got to thinking, where are we missing it? What's wrong? Now, I'm going to tell you something. Dustin made a contact. He, he influenced people. It may not be in the way that you'd want it, but he influenced people. His death, I looked at that, and I looked at Dustin, uh, Justin, and I said, you know what? If I'd have died in high school, I'm not even sure anybody showed up. There was not a place to sit in this church. A lady at the graveside asked me, did he get baptized? I don't know. You say, well, why would you bring up baptism? Well, first of all, is baptism even a big deal? Is it? Jesus made it a big deal. He made it a big deal in... Mark 1, 9 through 11, and Romans 6, 4, because of what it means. You see, I'm speaking to a crowd of some people here today that you haven't been baptized. And I just want you to know that if you die and you're saved, you'll go to heaven, but you are being disobedient. And this isn't a Baptist teaching. This is not something that only Baptists hold to. This is a biblical teaching. The Bible says Jesus started his ministry by being baptized. And he concluded it by making, telling the church to make disciples and baptize those converts. You see, Jesus and the Father did that. It's not me. Now, I know I looked at on the, the sign when I came in, and, and we're still as bad as the sign looks, and and Brad and some others are working on it, and we've got a new one to put up. But it still said, then you see it, Brad, Solid Rock Baptist Church. I think it's still out there in the midst of, we're, but we're in the process. We've got a new one back here, and we're, we're working on putting that up. When you go to the Webster Dictionary, you'll find that Baptist 
means to be a Baptist, a member of a Protestant denomination holding that baptism should be given only to believers who make not just confessions of faith, but possessions of faith by immersion rather than sprinkling. There was an elderly lady, and she was disturbed because she was wanting to go to a campground, and she wanted to make sure that the campground had a commode. And she didn't know how to say it because she didn't think a toilet or commode was really the words to be using. And so she wrote the campground director, and she decided in bold print she would put B.C., And so, for her, in her mind, that meant bathroom commode. Well, when the campground got it, director got it, he looked at it and he said, what does BC stand for? Well, he took it to about four, five, ten different other people, and they said that she must be asking, is there a Baptist church available at this campground? So anyway, in light of the letter, he, he, requi- he replied and he said, Dear Madam, I regret very much the delay in answering your letter, but I would like to inform you that a BC is located nine miles north of the campground. It's capable of seating 250 people at one time. I admit it's quite a distance away if you're in the habit of going regularly. But no doubt you'll be pleased to know that a great number of people take their lunch along and make a day of it. (laughs) The last time my wife and I went was six years ago. It was so crowded we had to stand up the whole time we were there. It may interest you to know that there's a supper plan to raise money for more seats or to buy more seats. If you decide to come down, perhaps I could go with you for the first time and sit with you and introduce you to all the other folks. Remember, this is a friendly community. Well, there was a major breakdown in communication there. I'm going to tell you something, guys. There's a major breakdown between the church today and our middle schoolers and our teenagers. There is no reason that I should see 500 kids and somebody should tell me that 80% of them don't go to church. That ought to... That ought to give you nightmares. That ought to burden your heart if you got one. I've heard Butch weep for the men that are out in the communities who don't, are not getting the help that these guys and others have gotten through the years. And his tears were shed because of those that were spending somewhere hellacious that night and not understanding or knowing if they'd even be alive the next day. Why is it that we can have dry eyes in our eyes? We can look and see and know that we're not reaching the youth of our day. We're not. Because you see, that's only one high school. And I'm sure there are more than 500 people, 500 kids going to Alcove. If it's, in, if it's any different than my kids went to Newton High, there were over 2,000. And we got East Side. Not to say all of the private schools and what is going on, guys? 
I hear people say, well, we're in the last days. And you know, Jesus said in Matthew 24 that in the last days we will wax cold, which the word wax means to become cold. Well, we sure are there. Because nothing is stirring our hearts for some reason. Now, were all those kids stirred to the frightened? No, man, that's out there burning their rubber and firing up engines and sounding like a drag strip. I understand what Jesus is talking about, but also understand that somehow we've managed to lose a generation of kids. I probably wasn't the greatest thing in the world when I, somehow I never lost connection with, this, with, with church even though I lived a life outside of the church that wasn't very pleasing to God. And God dealt with me about that. It was God that did it. He got my attention. Just as he needs to get some of you guys' attention. Because I just, I just believe with all my heart that you don't want to be a parent like Scott and Melanie had to go through. With their hearts broken. Does your kid think that the outside world is more important than what we do for Jesus? Does your child think that it's or that my daddy don't care whether I'm baptized or not? Because they don't ever hear us talk about. Jesus, maybe the play we made on first base last night, but not Jesus. I didn't make my kids, and I should have, memorize a lot of Scripture. But I tell you what, when we run up on a hiccup, and we had a few of those, we learned real quick not to take the Bible and use it as a a tool against them, but a tool for them. So what I would always do, does the Bible, guys, have anything to say about this? What does the Bible say about this? And so we, we started digging and saying, hey, you know what? God does have something to say about drugs, alcohol, sex outside of marriage. He does have absolutes. He does have right and wrong. He does. I asked that young youth worker, I said, is your kids struggle about right and wrong? He said, man, they don't even know what right and wrong is. He said, Mike, I'm going to tell you a story. This last graduation, one of my youth asked me to, to come to the graduation party. I took my wife and my baby girl over there. And when I got there, it was a drunken stupor, and the parents that put it on were out cold. He said, I took my child and my wife, and we left. We said, we're not hanging around in this junk. What is baptism and the symbolics stand for. Well, you know what? 
It's sad, but most of you know exactly what this is. Now, you know that that is not official. I had a little bat about six inches long in the earliest service, but Kathy went and got me a real big one or bigger one. But it's amazing what we know about what this stands for. You want to know why? Because many of us made it our life. But you see, when you stand before Jesus, he's not going to say, Mike, how many home runs you hit? Mike, how many outs do you make? You know what he's going to ask me? What did you do with my son? What did you teach your kids about me? How did you live your life before me? How did you do it? My dad never went to church when, it, when I was young. And, and my mama took me when we did go, and finally we ended up at Wesley Hills. And I said, Dad, won't you go to church? He said, I don't have no reason to go to church. I said, yeah, you do for me. I want you to go to church. I want us to go as a family. And my dad went, I say, that's so cool. My dad was baptized. Why was he baptized? Because he got saved. You know, there are people who say, well, baptism is only necessary because when you, if you're not baptized by the water, you're going to hell. So they make it a, a big deal. It is a big deal. But not because of whether or not you go to heaven to hell or not. There's the other group that say, that really baptism is not that big a deal. You can be saved and not be baptized. I think both of them about half true because I personally believe that baptism is a big deal. And it's not because Solid Rock Baptist Church or Mike Franklin preaches on it and it all of a sudden becomes a big deal. It's a big deal because Jesus said, after you are saved, Born again, walking in the newness of Christ. You're supposed to show the world by following me. And that's why I'm baptized. And that's why you get baptized. Not to be ashamed of me. You identify us as followers. You know, when we look at the Word of God, and we see where Jesus started. The word baptism means in the Greek, baptizo. And believe it or not, that word was in place before it became a religious word. You see, it used to be before Jesus and John the Baptist came on the scene, a word that meant, it means submersion, it means dipping and dunking, but it was used, for example, for women who baptized their dishes. Y'all know what that, some of you women, well, anyway. It means sinking ships were baptized in the sea. Kids playing in the river dunked or baptized themselves. But that's what it meant before John came along, and all of a sudden one day he shows up and starts baptizing people. The Bible teaches us that John was the baptizer, and he, came, he, he became known as John the Baptist. And what he did was baptize 
those who repented of their sin and turned to God. But he was also told that one would come that he would baptize with the Spirit. And you see, he said, watch for the person that when you baptize them, all of heaven is going to open up and the Father will signify the importance of that baptism. And the dove did descend and the Holy Spirit did come. John 3, through 23 says, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained with them and baptized. Now, John was also baptized near Salem because there was much water there. You see, a lot, of, a lot of people say, well, it ain't much. There's no difference in being sprinkled and baptizing. Oh, yeah, there is too. Let me tell you what the difference is. I could baptize in two glasses for the next 20 years if I was sprinkling. But uh, John said, I got to go where there's a lot of water. I got to tell this illustration. I shouldn't, but I'm going to. When I was pastoring down in the country, it was a little church then called Centennial Baptist Church. And I, I was there in 1982 to 1985, and it's just a little country church, and you know we we I think we had a few people get saved, and and the, the old guy sitting around talking about baptism, and he said, "Preacher, do you know one? There was one time in our history of our church we didn't have indoor plumbing." I said, "Really?" He said, "Not only that, we didn't baptize on the inside; we baptized in the creek." I said, yeah, I remember my first baptism. I did that, and I got to eat up with red bugs. He said, no joke. I, one year, we had a bunch of people to baptize, a lot of people baptized. But we were in a drought. There wasn't hardly any water in the creek. So we went down there and dug us out of kind of a hole and put rocks in the front of it, rocks on the other end of it. Yeah, he said, but still wasn't enough water. I said, listen, y'all want me to tell the rest of this story? If I tell the rest of it, y'all won't get mad at me. You're going to say that Mike Franklin said, and, and it didn't, I'm repeating the story. Do y'all understand that? Because to repeat the rest of it, I don't want you getting offended with me. You got it? Don't you get mad at me because I'm repeating it. I'm quoting it exactly the way they said it. They said to get enough water, they got it flowing and put four fat women on four corners of that creek. And they raised the water up enough that they could baptize. I said, y'all are either lying to me or that's the best engineering I've ever heard of. I could have said men, but I'd have been lying because they said women. It is very significant According to John, that we understand that baptism is an outward sign of an inward change, of an inward repentance, of an inward where we have become new, new creatures and, and we started a new walk in the newness of life in Jesus. It's important that you and I understand that when John baptized, he baptized not unbelievers. 
he baptized believers, people who accepted Jesus. Not long ago, I was doing counseling and baptism, and, I, and, I, and I've learned to ask these questions because you don't know. And, and a dude come in there, and I said, uh, I said, you want to be baptized? Yeah. I said, you ever been saved? He said, well, what's that? If I hadn't asked that question, I'd have baptized an unbeliever. I'd have led him to believe that the water saved him. Does the water save you? A teacup couldn't. A tank full couldn't. <laughs> a water truck couldn't. The only liquid in the book of John, 1 John 1, that I know of that would save you is the blood of Jesus that was shed for your sins and mine. That's the only liquid I know that saves. But I don't want to lead you to believe that baptism is not important because it is. They're always, without exception, those who get it all mixed up. I used to believe that we didn't have to, and, and look, Baptists practice this now. I don't think it's biblical. I think of this, you want to know when you ought to be baptized? When you're saved. If, if Philip said, if I could get you saved right there on the side of the creek, it's, what's hindering us to be baptized right now? Now, being a member, being baptized and being a member of the church, that's, that's sort of man-made a different thing. But now, I've served in three other traditional Baptist churches. They didn't want me baptizing nobody that wasn't joining the church. And I said, don't you know that that's unbiblical? I don't care. Don't do it, preacher. They wanted to make sure that you join the church before you get baptized. And, and that's just not biblical. I think when you're a part of the kingdom of God... You are a new child. That's when you ought to be baptized. And that's what the Bible teaches. That's what Jesus teaches. Think about it for a moment. Why was Jesus baptized? He wasn't a sinner. Jesus was not, uh, did not need to become a believer. He was the one we're to believe in. He wasn't professing faith in God. He was God. And yet, Jesus said, John, baptize me. Well, I think it's important why Jesus was baptized, directly related, uh, related to why we should be baptized. Baptism is a means of identification. The Scriptures go as strong to say, if you're ashamed of me to confess me before men, I will be ashamed to confess you before the Father. And so what I'm saying here is we shouldn't be ashamed at all. Now we all get scared. I, every, time I, every time I walk into a room, the new Baptist uh, baptism candidates, I can see them, their hands is ringing, and they're sweating bullets. And I tell them, I said, y'all, y'all afraid? Yeah. I said, you know what? I ain't ever lost anybody yet. Only the first one did I ever almost lose. And it was in a creek. You baptize in the creek with the head down with the, against the flow. I, uh, I baptized right in the opposite, and he like went drifting down the creek. I had to grab him. There's tricks to the trade. Well, Mike, why don't you baptize, uh, why don't you baptize infants? It's pretty clear. I don't put a ring on an infant's finger. 
and expect that child to wait until they grow up and then get married. I don't do stuff, stuff, stuff as that. I don't do it. And the reason I don't do it is simply because it's not biblical. We don't baptize infants because they're not saved. Yeah, you got it. And when they come to a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, then and only then should they be baptized in submersion of water. But the third thing is the spirit baptism. It really doesn't matter. In my opinion, I, I think in my judgment, in the judgment of Scripture, the most important baptism is the spirit baptism. I mean, you can go through the water. You can go through a profession of faith. You can say, I believe in Jesus, and we baptize you and not be saved. Because if Jesus ain't on the inside, he's still on the outside. You're lost and undone. You say, how do I know if Jesus is on the inside? Spirit will tell you. Man, I've, I've been reading the Bible. And, and all of a sudden, a still small voice said, here, I want you to see this. Whoa. I didn't see that before. You ain't going to if the Spirit ain't on the inside of you. It ain't going to happen. And I'm going to tell you something. And I'm telling every one of you, and, and well, I don't care whether you're proud of me or not, I had to do it through the unction of the Holy Spirit. I stood before those 500 teenagers, and I told them this. If Jesus is not in your heart, if he's not in your life, and you die like dust, then you're going to hell. The only people that are going to heaven are those who have been signed, sealed, guaranteed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. And when do you get that? When you get saved. You don't get part of the Holy Spirit. You don't get half of the Holy Spirit when you get saved. You get all of the Holy Spirit. And if you believe anything different, you're going to have a hard time proving it in the text. Oh, it's out there in churches. It's out there in other denominations, but it's not in the book. The problem I'm seeing is Jesus ain't getting all of y'all. Ephesians 4 5, and 5 says, we are all one body. We have the same spirit. We all have been called to the glorious future. There's only one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Mark 1, 8, John said, I believe, I, John says, I baptize you with water, but Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 9, and 10 says, you are, not, you are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. Remember, those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them are not Christians at all. They're religionists. And there's a big difference. Religion's not going to heaven. Only real believers sold out, accepting Jesus in heart, and the Holy Spirit is in them. We're spiritually baptized with the Spirit that by the, called the paraclete that Jesus said, I leave with you. Ephesians 1.13 says, and now also you've heard the truth of the good news that God saves you. When you believed it in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give, you, give us everything he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people by his own blood.
That leads me to this. There are some of you here today. You've never been baptized, and you've never been saved. And I want to tell you this. There's only one way. John 14, 6. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father unless he what? Come through who? Jesus. Not the Baptist church, not the Catholic church, not the Methodist church, not the Presbyterian church, not the Mormons, not the Jehovah Witness. It's through Jesus. He's the initiator. He paid the price for the church. It's not religion or denominations. That's all man-made. You say, well, Mike, what do I need to do? I said, you need to get saved. You need to ask Jesus to come into your heart and save you. If you see that you've spiritually been enlightened, you're lost. Then there are those who've been baptized, maybe even sprinkled, and you profess Jesus, but you don't possess Jesus. Now, how in the world do I know that? I don't. But you would. I know that Jesus lives within me because he speaks to me. He fellowships with me. He drives me. He's in me, and he loves me. But if he ain't in you, you ain't even going to give a rip. Then there are those who you've received Jesus by salvation, and maybe the Spirit has been working in you, and, and you've been saved, but you've never followed it by obedience to be baptized. You need to do that. And then there are some of you here that are saved, you're baptized, you've been baptized, you've been spiritually baptized, but something's wrong, and you know it on the inside. Something ain't right. And the only one knows that you. I can't see it. I can't even sense it And preaching to a congregation. I only know it when you're in my office. You know it ain't right. And you know that you don't want to share Jesus. You know it that sometimes you don't care whether you can go to church or not. And I'll tell you what's wrong. It's called sin. And the Bible says, 1 John 1, 9, and that's written to believers. If we'll confess that sin, he's faithful and just to cleanse us of that sin and all unrighteousness. Look, guys, the only one you have to please is him, not me. Him. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, let me ask you.